welcome to Beyond Natural Light Photography. I'm your host, Sandra Cohn, and on this podcast, I'll share my tips and tricks for mastering light, both natural and artificial, as well as what I've learned over the past 20 plus years as a professional photographer about building a standout brand, marketing yourself in an honest, authentic way, and building a profitable photography career without hustle or burnout. I'm gonna invite you to eavesdrop on conversations that I have with the photographers I coach, as well as from other industry experts so that you can gain real life, actionable advice about building the business you want and the life you deserve. So thanks for being here and let's get started. Hello friends and welcome back to the Beyond Natural Light Photography Podcast. Today's kind of a special day, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I'm here with my longtime friend, Gabby Dionish. Mm-hmm. I say mm-hmm. it right. I'm the worst. 100%. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, Gabby and I have known each other for a very long time. We actually worked together for five years. Yeah. Longer. I think so. Like uh, probably right around five, I think. Yeah. And if you have my book, Crafting the Natural Light Book, <laughs> uh, you know Gabby because she's the beautiful <laughs> redhead that's basically pictured throughout the entire book. So. No longer red. No longer red, but that is Gabby. And so how, why, okay. Why is Gabby here on the podcast? Besides being like a lovely person. um, Like I said, Gabby's a good friend of mine. And she texted me like a couple of weeks ago after I relaunched the podcast and said, Hey, we should interview. You should have an interview of you on the podcast. And I was like, Oh, that makes, makes sense, I guess. But it makes me a little uncomfortable. And she's like, Oh, I'll interview you. And then I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like a little more comfortable. Okay. Right. So that's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. So, um, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself, Gabby? And then like, why you thought that this would be an interesting idea? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hello. I am Gabby. Um, thank you for my lovely intro. Um, so yeah, I just thought, you know, you have been in the industry for so long. You've been an educator for so long. And you put out so much amazing, like educational content, you know, you can get anyone to set up some kind of studio at home. Um, And I also think that you've been around in the industry for long enough that like, if I were someone who didn't know you, I would just like want to know you more as a person and like, who you really are, you know, but behind the occasional Instagram story with your (laughs) Frenchies and everything like that. Um, so I just thought it could be fun, uh, to ask you a few questions, um, and just, yeah, like, just kind of hear from you, like, who is Sandy, as opposed to Sandra natural light look, the Sandra Cohn method. Right, right. Okay. So that's where the inspiration came from. Well, for one, (laughs) for starters, you call me Sandy and most people in my life do. Most of my friends do. Right. I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. Although I do remember when I first started working for you, I had no idea if I was supposed to call you Sandy or not, because literally everyone called you Sandy, but I was like, Ooh, she's my boss. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It seems a little informal. (laughs) Um, Uh, Well, and it's funny too, because you and I met, so just listeners know the backstory is uh, Gabby was living in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where my brother and sister-in-law live. And she had been assisting my sister-in-law who was running a photography 
business at the time. And when you moved out here, right? Kat was like, oh, you need to get in touch with Sandy. So then they called me Sandy too. Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had heard about you long before I started working for you. Um, Cause I feel like actually a lot of, um, you know, what Kat was doing was inspired by your lighting methods and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and then I got to work for you for five whole years. I know, it now, was so fun. And, and you could be the face of the book, so. <laughs> yes, let's not forget. <laughs> the hours of studio shoots um it most was so of which fun. most of which i got a heads up for some of which i didn't um, not all of them. we we made it work you have your drawer full of lipsticks in the studio <laughs> for yeah. all those types of reasons so yeah you gotta always be prepared with a good lip color amen sister yeah. all right so let i don't know i'm gonna stop talking because i'm supposed to be interviewed are you so you're ready you're ready. i mean i guess yeah okay okay um, so, uh, I feel like a running joke that we have, or that we had back when we would see each other every day or every other day, um, was that how you just kind of had like 800 lives before being a photographer. Um, can you, like, can you tell me about, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories, but can you tell me and the listeners about some of those, you know, odd jobs that you had before getting into photography? Oh yeah. Yeah, because like I never thought photography would be a job. I did I wasn't one of those people that was like, I always knew I was going to be a photographer and I dreamed I was going to be a photographer. So in college, I actually studied history and philosophy. <laughs> Very useful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then of course, with you know, after graduating with a degree in history, I did what most people with a liberal arts degree do. And I got mm -hmm. a job as a barista. And so <laughs> I was a barista for a long time. I had also started in college um, for my, my, like my college job essentially was giving tours in Europe, like being a tour guide. So I had um, my French teacher from high school had started a business and I spoke French and I studied history and she needed um, someone to help her out. So it was like, sweet. So, uh, you know, while I was in college and being a professional barista on my breaks, I would travel to Europe and I would, you know, travel all around and tell people stories and point out castles and you know, <laughs> snap my fingers and walk, walk briskly in front of people. <laughs> it was really fun. So I really thought that that's what I was going to do, that I was going to work in the travel industry because I loved it. And I, I love traveling. And then I got a job when I first moved to Seattle and I worked for a small boat cruising company and they did like mm -hmm. yacht cruises to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And so with that job, my job was to go on the cruises as a passenger and then like report back to the company what I liked and what I didn't like and what That's was a working. sick job. That well, is, it, it's it's kind of a dream job. <laughs> <laughs> really great jobs in my 20s and what's like so funny about that job is that I was supposed to be like like a plan like nobody was supposed to know so I could give like you know 100% you know honest reviews on like the kayak trip or the food or whatever and all this stuff but I was like a 24 year old woman <laughs> these very expensive like small boat cruises through the inner passage of Alaska and everybody else on that cruise was in their like 60s, 70s, right? <laughs> so, so you stuck out a little bit. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. 
<laughs> that I didn't I mean there was a weird reason why and I was there alone so it wasn't even like I was there like with my family or with a partner or whatever it was just me you're just kind of watching people taking notes yeah exactly and... <laughs> like yeah, I would love to go on that kayak cruise yes please like the kayak tour or whatever so anyway that was really fun so okay so there was the travel agent there was the barista there was the travel agent there was the cruise company um then I was a teacher mm-hmm. I think a lot of people know that part of the story um I used to sing in a swing band I was like <laughs> that's a fun that. one I know and then I also taught swing dance classes um yeah so I mean yeah I've done a lot of am I forgetting anything I'm trying to think that there was a lot yeah that all sounds about right to me um so like you know obviously with your teaching career there's some obvious skills from that that you've been able to apply to education for example um what are some of the other like skills that you think you kind of picked up along the way throughout these jobs Mm. that have helped just helped you now in your photography career or like you you feel yourself like applying them every day if that makes that's like a super good question I've never (laughs) really thought about that like you know between teaching and what I do now makes tons of sense, right? right. Because I teach now mm-hmm. um, and, and stuff. But I think really what I learned, especially like giving tours, mm-hmm. that whole arc of my life was like <laughs> that life. <laughs> that life was um, I got really, really good at talking to people I didn't know. Mm. And making people feel comfortable and making people feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that that's a skill that I brought into the photography side of my business. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I think I excel at and one of the things that I think helped me with my, with that part of my career and turning that into a success is I'm really good people. And I'm really good mm-hmm. with making people feel really comfortable and I can talk to literally anybody. And that's definitely something that I learned in that job. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, I used to be really shy. That is surprising, actually. That really, yeah. but I can I can also see, um, you know, kind of in line with what you're saying, you're also really good at directing people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge skill um, that you, like people don't normally like associate with being a photographer is that you're like a director as well. And um I would imagine between the tour guides and and all that stuff that you probably also learned how to direct people because that can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And tell people what to do. Right. In a nice, because you've got your teacher voice Uh (laughs) where you, you're really good at telling people what to do in the nicest way possible. And, (laughs) and I think that that it works, it works well. It's a good skill to have. That's really funny. I think you're right. I never really uh, thought of that before, but I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Well, so, you know, obviously all these jobs somehow led you to photography. Like, was there an aha moment? Was there like a moment where you were like, oh, maybe instead of like teaching full time, I could just do photography. Like, did you have one of those? I don't know that I ever had like the aha or the light bulb I feel like it was all sort of an accident I mean photography was something I always did and I always loved my dad was actually a photographer and we had a dark room in our house growing up and so so we would I know right in the Mm -hmm. 70s so we'd be in this small dark room with no windows 
<laughs> with chemicals and he'd be like smoking and we'd be listening to Jim Croce or whatever. It's a different time. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it in there. Like it was just seemed like super magical to me. And I remember watching, he would develop pictures and they would just kind of appear and it was like, amazing. So I'd always loved photography. And then dad got me a camera when I was like in like the third grade and I would take pictures of my dolls that they would then develop, God bless them. And then, (laughs) and then he also got me a camera when I graduated college, like a nice Mm -hmm. camera and that I would take with me to Europe and when I would go to Alaska and stuff. So I always loved photography, never thought of it as a job. Um, and I just started doing it out of desperation because my first year teaching, I'm sure you've heard the story a thousand times, but my first year teaching, um, I, you know, even though full-time teacher with a graduate degree, uh, qualified for food stamps, I like couldn't make a living. And so I'd taken some pictures of my friend Ginger and she was like, oh, you should do this on the side to make some extra money. And so I did, Mm -hmm. and then I liked it. And then I figured out pretty quickly, I was like, wait a minute, I can make at least as much money as I'm making as a teacher doing this for half the time and half the stress because teaching is hard, Mm -hmm. really fun, Mm -hmm. but it's hard. Um, And so I kind of just started doing it on the side and then it just took over and then I quit my teaching job and did it, but it wasn't like this, like, Oh, it was like, this like kind of like slow burn. Right. Um, no, that makes sense. Uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, okay. <laughs> did you, I'm okay. Sure so you've heard this story a thousand times. I have, well, I was gonna, I was gonna like, um, go on a little tangent about, um, cause your friend Ginger is the one that was like your maternity shot, right. That like, kind of became your signature image, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. I, so <laughs> side story real quick. I was at the dentist the other day and my hygienist is like a woman in her sixties. And I was telling her about how I used to be in the photography industry and, and, you know, working for like uh, a studio photographer who took pictures of babies and maternity and all that stuff. And she's like, man, it is crazy to me that, um, people let women who are pregnant like get photos taken of themselves these days because like back in the day that just like was not a thing um and it was just interesting because I I feel like you've told me that before um and it was just interesting hearing her say that and then thinking about how you were able to build your business on your signature image which was a maternity shot I know right yeah, and I, that I remember been, like, when I mind blowing. I know because when I was when I started doing it, it wasn't a, it wasn't the thing it is now. Like I came in right at the very beginning when I started when I took that picture of Ginger and started using it for advertising. There was me and one other woman in town who were doing maternity photos, wow. and when I quit my job to do that, my mom, similar to your hygienist, <laughs> was like, "Sandy, you're insane." She was like, I've been pregnant. Nobody wants pictures of themselves when they're pregnant. Nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to remember that. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And yet, and yet now, I mean, I, you know, that was a little bit before my time and I have not been pregnant, but if I were to be, to me that it seems so important to capture that time because it's really only like nine, 10 months out of your life that, yeah. or, I mean, you could do it again, obviously, but, um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's still, you know, maybe you do it, you know, one or two, three times 
in your life. It's not like this huge part. I mean, it's like, you know, it's really fleeting. And what I think is also interesting is not only do women, especially when I was doing it in the nineties, not only do women want maternity photos now, but they're like, they want to take off all their clothes and be naked and like show their body, which my mom was like, yes, the hell are you doing? Right. Like she thought that was crazy. Totally. That just gave me goosebumps actually. But don't you think there's a different, like, I mean, not to get off on a tangent or anything, but don't Mm -hmm. you think that that's interesting just in the evolution in that short amount of time, like that's basically one generation, right. Between my Mm -hmm. mom and me, um, in how women even feel about their bodies and celebrating your body instead of Mm -hmm. like hiding it. Or like there was, there was always like almost like weird shame around pregnancy, I think in the past. Yeah, which because I I guess because you know the a, a pregnant body just physically doesn't match you know what society decided was the right type of body to look at in photographs, especially in the '90s when like you know the the skinniest like Kate Mosses were like the ones to be, and so like I'd imagine you know then seeing a photo of a half naked pregnant woman would probably be like shocking to people um because it was so outside of the norm and now I don't know I mean I don't know what the statistics are but it seems like pretty prevalent that people are getting maternity oh yeah and even like maternity fashion you know instead of like these big baggy things everything's like (laughs) super tight you know and yes yes well we're here for it I know I'm like bring it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love, I, I love the maternity shape. I think it's so beautiful. And oh I just think it's like one of the reasons why I was drawn to it in the first place and why I love doing it now. It's just incredible that your body can do that. Like we just like yeah. literally make people. Yeah. And then great. your body does that and completely transforms and then goes back. So anyway, I don't want to get amazing. off on a tangent, but it is, I clearly love it still. So bodies are amazing. Bodies are um, amazing. So, so going back to what, what, um, the original question was, was about, you know, your aha moment, which you don't, you didn't really have an aha moment for photography, but did you ever have one for getting into the education side of things? I mean, yes and no. I feel like my life has just been this series of moments present themselves. And then I like a road just appears and I'm like, Ooh, let's go see what's on that road. <laughs> and um, that's going to happen with all my jobs and everything. But that was kind of the situation with the teaching too. So, you know, I started teaching my first class that I ever taught was the missing link, which I still mm-hmm. around today, still solve. And it was like a little PDF that I had written and put together and I sold. And the reason I started selling that was because when I went to go learn um, studio lighting, I couldn't find anything that was the kind of work that I wanted my work to look like. It was all like you and I've talked about this endlessly, but like mm-hmm. every tutorial you look up or every you know YouTube thing, it's like all it shows is like massive studios with gigantic lights and mm-hmm. you know multiple lights and then like, half naked women. And we were just talking about naked women. We love naked women. We can women, are but beautiful. in a different, in a, a different, different way. Yeah. yeah. In a different context. They like, I, you know, everything about those kind of tutorials I would look at. I'm like, that is not how I work. That's not how I want to work. And I didn't like the look of studio lighting mm-hmm. and I shot film. And even though film had been around and hadn't been gone for very long, the education around film and especially mm-hmm. film for studio light photographers, there was none. And so I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own. 
And so that's what I did. I experimented a lot and kind of figured out um, the basics of how to get modern lighting equipment to work with my vintage film cameras. That was step one. Mm -hmm. And then kind of reverse engineered what I liked about my natural light images and figured out how to create artificial light that looked like that. And then it just started blowing my mind because I could shoot on film. It came back, it would be, could be in the middle of the night and looked exactly like my window light in the studios. And I was just blown away. And I, I was like, well, other people need this. This is like, and it was kind of amazing to me too, because I was like, everybody needs this. And I so sincerely met this. I was like, this is going to change everybody's life. Everybody needs to know. I need to tell every photographer I can possibly get my hands on. And then I went into like this film group I was in. I was like, oh my God. And I was sharing this stuff with them. And they weren't as like excited as I had. Weird. I know. And they were like, I prefer natural light. I'm a natural light photographer. And I was just like, you don't understand. It's going to change your life. You can make your own natural light. And so, um, I just was like, okay, well, I'm just going to make a little PDF class and sell it. And so that's what I did. It was just for film photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, then it kind of evolved. So anyway, so it kind of came in. Still wasn't really thinking of it as like another class or being an educator or something like that. But then people did start noticing and did start getting excited about it. And then mm-hmm. I started being asked to teach. And I was asked to do, I was asked to teach it click away, which is a mm-hmm. conference from through a uh, click photo school used to be click and moms. And they asked me to speak and they asked me to speak on business, which I'd never been asked before, which I was like, I teach lighting. What are you? Okay. <laughs> How could and they then relate? they put me on their like big stage. And then they were like, we're also going to videotape it and no pressure no pressure so I was like so that's when I started that was in 2000 I think 15 or 2016 one of those and that's when I started talking about business and um I gave a talk called three things you need to know to build a six-figure business Mm -hmm. and yeah and then after that um I was asked to speak on creative live and then that it just kind of all blew up so yeah the rest is history the rest is history oh I just love your story I love that like it really you know I just think that you're just open you're open to these new roads you're open to like learning new things and it's obviously worked out well for you so I think that's just I don't know that's a nice thing for everyone I think to keep in the back of your mind is that like I feel like you know, running your own business, especially the creative side of things, a lot of days can probably feel like, you know, just hitting your head into a wall over and over again. Um, But being able to like take a step back and be like, okay, like, you know, I'm just open to receive whatever comes next and to kind of just roll with it and make the most of it. um, So that, you know, you're not just like pushing a rock up a hill. which I know that like small business can feel like that. Oh, and I've definitely felt like that before. I think at the big, like looking back on the big picture though, one thing that I think I'm good at and I don't know why it just is a part of mine is it's almost like I'm like an improv actor. I'm always just like, yes. (laughs) And so like people come to me, this like crazy idea, like, I know, why don't you write a book in seven months? (laughs) 
And I'm like, yes. And, and, <laughs> and what else? <laughs> Let's go. And I'm always terrified. Everything I ever said, have said yes to has been something that has really scared me. And yeah. it always ends up being really uh, fun. And, um, but uh, like, I'm going to get all rambly. I can feel rambly. Coming. <laughs> it's, it's bubbling but up. <laughs> I actually kind of feel like it's Jim, my brother, mm-hmm. my older brother, you know, Jim, then mm-hmm. my listeners don't know Jim. So Jim is my older brother and he's a professor at university of Virginia in Charlottesville. He's done all these amazing things in his life. And we didn't grow up in a situation that would lead to people doing amazing things in their life. <laughs> we grew up in nice poverty. <laughs> we had a lot of like, you know, challenges. And so he and I sometimes will sit around and be like, how does this happen? Like what happened like with that? And I really do think, you know how, like I always teach in like six figure studio when I'm, you, I mean, you've heard me speak so Mm -hmm. many times you could give my talks, but um, (laughs) how like, um, I, I teach people that what I believe is the secret of success is figuring out what it is that you do, that thing that lights you up, that you're really inspired by. And then just doing that and putting on blinders and not chasing all the trends and not doing what you think you should do. And while those sound like great sound bites, I a thousand percent really believe that that is true. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is why I was able to build my photography studio to what it is today and why I've been able to build my education part of my business up because I'm like really freaking passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. So why do you think then, cause you know, there's so many people who want to be photographers and I feel like a thing I see a lot in, you know, these different communities is that like, it just feels so hard to like make it whatever make it means. Right. But like to, and, and I don't, I don't really know what, you know, obviously it's a very subjective term, but like, like, why do you think, like, what, what is making it? Like, why do you think people feel like it is pushing a rock up a hill or like, is it because they're not tapping into whatever that thing is that like, is inherently like, you know, unique and special to them and just trying to do what everyone else is doing or. I think so. I think anytime you're chasing trends or you're trying to be like somebody else, Mm -hmm. it's going to feel like pushing a rock up the hill because you can't be like, you can't ever be anybody else. Right. So how do you find, how do you find your special little thing? Well, (laughs) I mean, that's like, that's the challenge. You know, I was actually thinking about this today. I was writing my journal about it, Mm -hmm. about how, you know, I always say that being a business for yourself is like being in therapy and it's really true because there are obstacles you'll come against, rub up against when you're in business for yourself or opportunities that will present themselves or won't present themselves. Like these things will happen. And the only way you'll ever get to experience those things is by being in business for yourself, especially as a creative, like putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, all the things it takes to be a creative in business, right? Mm -hmm. You'll never have the opportunity in your life to experience those discomforts and those challenges, unless you're doing this. And when you get to that place in your business, you can choose to go through it or you can choose to not to, and there's no right or wrong, Mm -hmm. but either one of those paths, the person you are, when you start that journey and the person you are, when you end is not going to be the same person. Does that make any sense? It does. And I love that. I think, I think that's something worth striving for. And I think that that 
um, I don't know. I think that's a really beneficial side effect of being a business owner, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't know if people, uh, you know, who are successful at starting a business, um, I don't know if, if they're disappointed with the person they become at the end, I you know, think, I, I, yeah. you know, like, I feel like, you know, even if you give it a shot, like you feel good about what you've done. Um, and it's worth it, right? Like it's worth making the mistakes and, and experimenting and just putting yourself out there, which is really easy for us to like sit on our zoom call and say, of course, but, um, <laughs> follow your bliss, go, go do you. <laughs> Yeah. Eat, pray, love. (laughs) So much harder than that. It's really scary. I mean, like you were asking, like, how do you figure out what it is that you do? This, these are, this is the question I get all the time in in coaching and six figure studio. And it's like, it's a journey, but I think the benefit of me talking about it or talk, you know, helping people through it in the program is calling it out. I spent a long time in my career, not even knowing that I should be doing that. And I was Mm -hmm. chasing the trends and I was trying to do what everybody else was doing. And I think even just the benefit of, of having somebody say to you, like, stop doing that. Mm -hmm. The real magic is going to come when you can put on blinders and you really get in touch with what your creativity is and what that means and figure that out. And of course we have questions and exercises that we put people through and we chat with people and we discuss it and we work it out, but it's like being in therapy. It's like the only person who can answer that question is you. And sometimes just like therapy, it takes sitting and talking it through and Mm -hmm. trying on a bunch of different things and thinking about it until you can come to the conclusion or a semblance of a conclusion. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, yeah, I think it's so much like therapy. It's amazing. And I feel, you know, I think everyone or, you know, not to prescribe anything, but if you're a business owner trying to start a business, there is a pretty good idea, just like generally, 100%, um, 100%. <laughs> or even actually, if you don't have a business, I don't have a business. I'm happily in therapy. <laughs> you're like, can I freaking um, love therapy? I do. I love my therapy. I love your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> my old therapist. Your old therapist. Oh, we used to always yeah. talk about gay. I mean, I, I know. know. <laughs> I talk about my therapist oh. all the time, like on my coaching calls. It's really funny. Um, I like to share it because, you know, I hate being on video. Like I have issues with being on mm-hmm. video. And it was like, totally, I worked through that like a solid year in therapy on just being in, on video. That's amazing. And here you are. And here I am. On video. <laughs> well, I guess we're recording your podcast. So not quite. <laughs> um, but there's a but video like, component. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we're talking about all these like big, like life kind of, or like mindset shifts and stuff like that. But like, if we're thinking more like tangibly, like what, what's like one thing someone listening could start doing tomorrow that would positively impact their photography business? Ooh, like I just had like five different things. (laughs) Okay. What's five things, (laughs) five things. So first of all, and I'm not just saying this because I teach it and I love it, but really learning how to control your light is so important. Mm-hmm. So important because like as a photographer, light is everything. Like you cannot do your job without light. It is your creative partner. And so mm-hmm. every ph- photographer should be obsessed with light. You should know it like the back of your hand. You should understand it. 
light direction, you know, what, how different, how different lighting and lighting patterns and light intensity and all that stuff impacts your image, the story you're trying to tell all that kind of stuff, and then be able to create it intentionally, whether you're working with a window, you can still create with uh, available light or you're working with a strobe. So mm -hmm. step one, become obsessed with light and know it really well. Um, can I interrupt with a yes. quick side note? Um, so in, you know, us working on your book together and me, you know, reading your paragraph or your like a um, thousand times, like your chapters, like 20 times um, in a row. And, you know, all, all the, and you know, you and I would like totally geek out about all the light conversations because I feel like you could put all of your like really like deep, like deep track kind of knowledge about light and, and give it to me. And I would just be like, oh my God. And then we kind of like feed off of that. But um, lighting patterns, I can't stop seeing anymore. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> like I, I, especially in, in like movies and, and shows and stuff like that, like the number of times I'll see like Rembrandt light or split light and be like, Ooh, what, well, like, how does this, you know, the same way that like a soundtrack adds to a scene or you're like, oh, there must be something bad coming. And then you see like, you know, someone who's a questionable character in split light. And you're like, oh, maybe they're not good. You know? And like, I just, I just had to say that. I can't. Stop. I love that. No, there's <laughs> like, there's like a psychology to lighting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like for it's real, so like, interesting. just like what you were just saying, like the same way sound engineers will use sound to uh, you know, bring, you know, the viewer into like a moment of anxiety or something like mm -hmm. they do light too. And that's like why, oops, sorry, I'm pinging here. That's why it's so important to really understand light and those lighting patterns, because you could be eliciting an emotion in somebody just subconsciously by the way you're mm -hmm. lighting something without even realizing it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Isn't that crazy? I just love mm -hmm. that too. I become obsessed with it. But like ghoul lighting is a is a great example of that. So ghoul lighting for listeners who may not know is up lighting or lighting that comes from the bottom of the face and it go, falls up the chin, the nose thing, and you get catch lights in the bottom part of the eye. Uh, we were watching the first time we watched Stranger Things. Oh yeah, years yeah. ago. All the scary scenes, most of the scenes are shot in ghoul light even when it looks like they're outside and you're not knowing, if you look really closely there, mm -hmm. it's a very subtle uplight. So they're getting this catch light in yeah. the bottom right. So why are they doing that? Well, this is where I get nerdy because <laughs> our brains are used to seeing light fall from above. That's the way the sun shines, right? So our mm -hmm. brains, like normal people, normal situation is light falls from above. So when we see light coming the other way, it's not the way it's supposed to be naturally. It's unsettling. So it's unsettling. It makes people yeah. feel uncomfortable. It's it's brilliant. I don't yeah. know. I just I think I think it's cool. I, hope I think it's cool too. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have to go study light patterns. You know, you're like, oh obsessed. But you know, and so like back to uplight, not to beat a dead horse, but then you know, people will accidentally uplight newborns all the time. Or, mm -hmm. and then, so you're giving people this newborn gallery and all the pictures, babies accidentally uplit. And then all the parents are like, uh, yeah. they, and they don't like the pictures. Yeah. They don't well, even know why. Right. Right. It's yeah. It's just so interesting. Anyway. Um, okay. So I interrupted you. You were going <laughs> to say. That's okay. I was like, I love talking about this. 
I know I figured we were gonna get into lighting patterns at some point and I knew I had to just like uh sneak it in but um also, just one more point in that and then I'll share the other things but <laughs> um I love that you can unsee it it's so fun I can't I can't unsee it um yeah. so I might as well enjoy it <laughs> right I love it I love yeah. that okay okay so definitely learn lighting become obsessed with lighting mm -hmm. all the things obviously if you need help with that let me know <laughs> <You're the expert. laughs> right um, we will share a link in the show notes and description of today's episode okay um the other thing people should do if they really want to help their business is work on consistency in their portfolio mm. consistency 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 your portfolio what you show needs to teach your clients about what they can expect to get from you if they decide to work from you with you. And so if your work's all over the place and they don't know, they're going to be confused and they're going to either think that you're a newbie mm -hmm. and they can talk you down in pricing or they're not going to hire oh. you. Right. So mm -hmm. it's your job to, okay, understand light, how you like your light, what you want your light to be. And then ask yourself, can you consistently produce images that look like your work? Like, so maybe even your ideal lighting style or whatever. And does your portfolio reflect a consistent style? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's so important, because I think also, um, you know, you said that someone will either try to like talk you down in price because you look, you know, more on the new side or um, don't want to book you. But I think another almost like worst case scenario is they book you, but they expect something different. Oh, that's and then, a really and good then point. you've got a problem. Yeah, because <laughs> then, then they're unhappy. You've got a lot of, yeah, which you went from just having like a pretty neutral situation to like, a bad one yeah oh that's a good point yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah it's not, not so fun. light consistency mm -hmm. and then consistency i mean it always just boils down to consistency so consistency in your work massively important also consistency in your message and your marketing mm -hmm. um so what that means is you know exactly what it is you do what we were just talking about you know mm -hmm. how to do it under any situation you mm -hmm. consistently show it, mm -hmm. but now you also know how to consistently talk about it. You know how to craft that message. You know how to tell your clients. You know how to put what words to put on your website. How to speak to your people, um, and then you do it, rinse and repeat on the regular. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. well, you're in marketing, right? So I know. No, like, it's you true. Know. And, it's and true. like the number one mistake photographers make is that they get inspired and they'll do some marketing, they'll write a blog post or they'll post on right. social media. And then they're like, uh, I don't know what to do because they don't have a plan. And then they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And then they don't get any clients. And then they're like, oh no, I don't have any clients. I better do something. And then they do something and then they don't. And it's this like yo-yo marketing and yo-yo effects. You have to have yep. consistency. Yeah, I mean, even if it's like once a week, you know, like I feel like people feel as though they have to like for, you know, social media, for example, people, people feel as though they need to post like two times a day. And, and, you know, if, if that content exists and like, if you have, you know, the brain power to create all that kind of, you know, copy and content, and all that stuff, like more power to you. But I think if you can't do it consistently, finding a cadence that like is realistic that you can actually stick to um is way more important than how much stuff you can put out at once oh yeah oh yeah for sure. 
Uh, we see that all, like I talk people down off the ledge all the time in Six Figure <laughs> Studio because they get all excited. Like we do this, we do a lot of lessons on content creation and blogging. And I, you know, teach you how to do that, how to figure out what to talk about, what to say, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they get all excited and they'll write like 10 blog posts. They're like, oh, and they want to post them all right then. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> slow down. Now you have 10 months worth of content. Yeah. So just slow your roll and just schedule it once a month. And now you have consistent 10 months and that's going to help your ranking. It's going mm-hmm. to help everything so much more than if you just like publish all those in a week, which and people it, want to do. And it's just so in alignment with the like whole consistency oh, yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Cause it, again, like you said, consistency applies to like several different aspects of your photography business, not just your light, not just how much you post on social, like the whole thing. It's a whole nice consistent package that one should strive for <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> but and I think too with like you know content um I think learning that you don't have to like reinvent the wheel every time you try to post content like how you have your um your students you know do that kind of batch work where they make 10 blog posts and then you know and you know people listening should consider signing up uh, to learn how to batch this kind of content because you really like i feel like someone using your method can make a year's worth of content in a couple hours probably yeah. or a couple yeah. days i guess um so they can at least just, get the outline done in like an hour yeah and that i mean that's that's huge one of the hardest parts yeah that is the hardest part because there's nothing worse than sitting down to a computer and be like oh, i need to blog and i have no mm-hmm. idea what to talk about but you know like if you do um, it's so much easier and so then you can easier. even not to like <clears throat> get off on a whole tangent but you can even start using ai to write your blog posts i started using it in my Ooh. job it's amazing um that okay can be we need to have episode. a separate like <laughs> podcast episode just on that yeah i'm honestly, a little freaked out about ai but my my brother jim he he got on like what is it like chat gtp or whatever <laughs> gtp and he, yeah yeah, or what what did I say? I said it backwards, didn't I? GTP. But you're <laughs> dyslexic. So I know, for those so. <laughs> for those in the audience who don't know, another fun Sandy uh, <laughs> fact. It's true. I'm dyslexic. If you see typos or misspellings on my blog or social, that's why. It's why I work really hard you. at it. I know. I remember you were the one, you were the one, Gabby, because I used to get so freaked out when I would misspell something and you were just like, it's just on brand. I, I think it is <laughs> like it is part of your brand <laughs> you were that you yeah. told me it was that too when I was tripping over my lighting equipment trying to do videos because I do that <laughs> yeah or like if we would take videos in the studio and there's just um trash from all your rolls of film all over the ground <laughs> toys everywhere <laughs> it's so funny because my photos are so crisp and clean and I think that's me channeling my ideal self like what I want you're like in a perfect world <laughs> this is my life but the reality of who is Sandra Cohn or Sandy Cohn it's a little not messier not quite that it's more interesting. Yeah. It's more interesting. But anyway, I said it backwards. Jim put in his thing into the uh-huh. AI and he was like, he put in his like professional Vita uh-huh. or like his like write up his resume, whatever. And he asked it to write his story um, as if Ooh. it was in Shakespearean language. 
<laughs> and it did. And yeah. it was perfect. It's, it is amazing. Like truly, like, I actually think we like, we like offline, we should like chat about it. Cause okay. it's like, it's a true game changer. And I don't think it's anything to like, really be afraid of. I can understand why it's a little like, Ooh, I don't know about this. Um, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's pretty revolutionary. Um, I'm, I'm um, always pro like the robot innovation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like people used to be freaked out, like about privacy stuff. And it's like, I don't care about my privacy. If I can like log on to something and it knows exactly what I want to buy. And I do want to buy that. Like <laughs> yeah. that is just efficiency. As far as I'm concerned. Why? Yes. I do want Taylor Swift merch shaped like French bulldogs. <laughs> Thank you for reading my mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway. okay. Well, so I feel like, um, we've covered a lot of actual, like really like useful and, um, good information. Um, so turning towards the lighter side, um, cause I thought it'd be funny to ask if, so if your studio could talk, oh my what's, <laughs> what's one of the funniest and or most embarrassing stories it would uh, tell? I don't know. I feel like you should answer <laughs> that for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Funniest off the top of my mind is anything that involves Betty, the doll. Oh, oh guess, guess who's like right, literally right here. <laughs> um, for those who can't see, Betty is a pretty like creepy uh, baby doll <laughs> that uh, Sandy uses for testing light. Um, but I would say when, when you, me, and Elena Blair, who's also in the industry, um, we're testing like flash and oh, I was shutter speed why she wants to use a flash and not a continuous light that's what it is yes because the flash will freeze motion and continuous light won't and it's exactly. like we're gonna throw betty up in there <laughs> and so over and over again we're just throwing this thing that looks a lot like a baby, like a baby. <laughs> do you know what's um, so funny and we posted those videos to tiktok uh -huh. a couple months ago just because we were like oh my god i found these old videos and like TikTok lost its mind. Like they thought, like people on TikTok thought we were actually throwing a baby. Oh, at, and no. like we were giving all these comments. And it was like, we had to go back in and be like, that is not no actual real life babies or Disclaimer. pretend babies were harmed during this video. That, uh, that, that was so a funny one. We've had a lot of fun. We did the whole um Gabby helped me with the beta test for ectochrome. Which we mm -hmm. did in the studio. That whole shoot was a lot of fun. They're in that the, was really fun. karaoke. <laughs> karaoke and like um, free chili, free chili out of the weird crock at, pot in the, yeah. at the bar, which I'm sure is very much a pre-COVID situation. I can't yeah. imagine they have crock pot <laughs> free chili just out of the bar. <laughs> we'll have to check if they still have free okay. chili. <laughs> um, that's so, yeah, I feel like, I feel like there's, I can't really think of any actual like embarrassing um, stories. I feel I like. Think, okay. Well, I, I mean, anytime I have to do any kind of live video is an embarrassing <laughs> story. So I've gotten better, don't you think? But like in the very yes. beginning when video content was the first thing and you were whispers coming in to be a thing and you'd be like, okay, we're going to do this. And then you would turn on the camera and I just mm -hmm. literally couldn't talk it's like I would yeah. stop I would stop saying just like normal words we would be in a conversation and you would say 
five amazing pieces of like insight, little nuggets. Like you would have all this amazing stuff to say. And I'd be like, hold that thought, get my phone out, hit record. And then you're like, um, <laughs> hi. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, but you're so much better now. The therapy really helped. <laughs> it totally <laughs> did, actually. We would practice. <laughs> um, that's funny. <laughs> I know. I should find those videos, like the therapy videos of me having to, like, that, that would is, be incredible. I'm going to find that. That would be. I think TikTok would actually love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I can't really, I, I would say, I was hoping that you had some deep down hidden embarrassing story that I didn't know. But um, if it's just us having a good time in the studio, I think that's. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure that's it. I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I'm also trying to think of anything like funny happened whenever we were at um, like conferences or anything oh, like constantly. that. Constantly. Well, that's a, that's a well, it's not. <laughs> I think that, that falls under you know, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll um, leave that where it is. Um, so my last question as another kind of little light on one to wrap it up. Um, if you could take a portrait of any famous person dead or alive. Ooh. Who would it be and why? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Are alive? Yeah. Oh. And also, um, if you could like paint the picture as far as like which backdrop, I like, I would imagine you'd use your, the Oliphant one. Um, yeah. But I would, I want to, I want to like, I want you to like describe the portrait. Oh my gosh. This is good. I think there would be different portraits for different people. I would definitely want to do a series on like really interesting women, right? Like I would mm -hmm. love to do like, have like an Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, mm -hmm. in front of the Oliphants shot with the roller flags, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Or like, ooh, or like like a Frida Kahlo, but in the really bright, ooh. crazy colors that we did with the ectochrome test, or, right? Like this mm -hmm. like whole series like that. Um, that's such a good question. Now yeah. gonna, that's like what I'm gonna think about now when I'm like daydreaming. I don't know. It's just, I, as I was thinking of it, I was like, I don't know if I, because as I was writing a lot of my questions, I was like, oh, I like know approximately what you might say to some of these, but I, this one, I. Yeah. No I mean, idea. I have to think about it too. You know, like my mind goes back to kind of like old Hollywood, but just because I've seen yeah. so many portraits of people like that, but I would love just to you know, I love hearing, like, I love people's stories and I love being able to see people's stories in their portraits, if that makes sense. And so like, even like just photographing people who have interesting, interesting stories now. Mm -hmm. um, I have to think about that. Dang it. I wish I had like a really <laughs> fantastic answer off the top of my head. I stumped you. Oh, you did, but I am going to think about that. Okay. Think about it and let us all know all of us listening will be waiting patiently like, you can like, you can take to your stories and uh, let okay. us know what the update is when this gets you posted. know what I'm gonna do that I'm gonna start like really thinking about it and then they'd be able to become like a story series yeah Ooh. where you just like describe a yeah. portrait you would take of a specific person yes oh that's fun I mean obviously I would love to photograph Taylor Swift oh obviously like yeah. that's like a no-brainer 
but yeah. I would want to photograph her in a way that she hasn't been photographed before, which is hard because she's been photographed a million so, times. Like those pictures, I don't know if you remember seeing them or if listeners have you seen them, but years ago in um, Rolling Stone, there were these gorgeous pictures of her in really bright colors that, that mm-hmm. we used as inspiration for our ectochrome test. Yeah, I remember photos. those. And so like, that's been done. They're beautiful. That's been done. I would just love to photograph her in just like my style, you know, I think like, in the, like yeah. with the Oliphant and the black and the super grainy black and white Delford and. Yeah. Cause I can't think of, you know, I'm not like, I don't know all of um, the pictures ever taken of Taylor <laughs> Swift, <laughs> but obviously because your style is yours and it's unique to you, yeah. there's literally no way that she's been photographed in your style. That Bringing it full circle, Gabby. Full circle, wrapping <laughs> it up, done. <laughs> and mic drop (laughs) again thank you no that's a good question okay we're gonna start this in a new series okay sounds good well those are all my questions for you those Um, are great questions this was super fun you should come be a guest on the podcast more often plus I just love talking to you I know I'll whenever 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 then we'll we'll have cocktails with cone and Oh um, yeah. Okay. You guys, before we started recording, um, for the podcast, we thought it would be fun to have another podcast called cocktails with Cone, where we just <laughs> sit and have cocktails and have conversations. It's sort of like my dream pet project that I've never started, but I've always wanted to start called strangers and bars where you just oh. talk to people you don't know, because as you know, one of my passions yes. is talking to people I don't know and in bars in bars. <laughs> especially at like an airport bar or like traveling like when I'm traveling I freaking love it Mm -hmm. like live for it like when I travel alone like I exclusively sit at the bar and I look for people who I'm gonna sit next to and then I sit next to them and I start conversations so if you're ever in an airport (laughs) and you see this woman with like hair um but like I always thought that would be a fun podcast that would be well so so we'll have strangers in bars where I talk to people I don't know and then we'll have cocktails with cone where I talk to friends on my couch perfect perfect Mm -hmm. yeah done I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it it's gonna happen (laughs) well this was this was so fun Um, this is and I really I really enjoyed hearing um you know again I I had expected some of your answers but I feel like I got to hear a lot of new stuff that I've known you for a long time and I still got to learn some things today so I'm sure whoever's listening also learned a handful of things at least um which is a fun thing to be able to offer people absolutely well thank you for this Gabby this was so fun thanks for the idea and um we'll have you back as a guest on the show at some point that sounds great I will see you guys next time okay bye (laughs) bye